0: Welcome to Leverage Masters. This is Jack Humphrey, your host for today. I am the founder, along with Gina Gaudio-Graves of TheLeveragists.com and author of The Leverage Black Book, which you can find and pick up there at TheLeveragists.com. And I'm super excited today to have a very special guest, Sue Painter, who is a serial entrepreneur and online marketing strategist who consults with small business owners worldwide and an author of three books on entrepreneurship. You can find resources and tips on her website, confidentmarketer.com. She's also known for being a mobile entrepreneur, working from 11 countries last year and spending four months on the road. I can't wait to talk to you about all of this stuff, Sue. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, and thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, so I'll start you off this week the way we start everyone off and ask you, what is your big passion right now what gets you out of bed with a fire burning in your belly these days
1: you know what I have two big passions right now the first is um, teaching other people how to work mobile if they want to do that I get questions about that all the time when I travel um, and work from everywhere I usually post quite a bit on Instagram and meet my clients that are all over the world. And I always get questions about how do you do that? How did you set it up? What kind of tech do you use? So I'm really passionate about helping other people have that freedom if they want that freedom. And the second thing I'm passionate about is kind of cleaning up the online industry. It seems like we have um, fallen into a state of not treating each other with grace. So I am all about... Um, let's put some real honesty back into the Internet online industry and let people know that if they want to have a successful business, it's not going to come in 15 minutes of not very much hard work.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I I always get a little upset in the moment in the context of watching someone do that to people. And then I think, wait a minute, if it wasn't for them – people would have a harder time telling the honest people apart. Like the really good, you know, if everybody was really trying hard to be honest, there would be no contrast. And without contrast, there's hardly any way to make a choice. And I think those guys help uh, uh, our clients make a really clear choice, right?
1: Well, I don't know. I hope so. I'd like to think that. Um, But I do have, I've certainly worked with many clients who have spent money in places they ought not to have spent it. And actually... My deal is that goes both ways. There are people who are not making much money who act like they're making a ton of money, so there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in the online world. On the other hand, there are just as many people who want everything for free or who don't want to work for creating, you know, a quarter of a million dollar business, and they think that they never really have to attend to that business. So it works. There's bad on both sides, and it's just time for us to say, you know, you won't treat somebody as if they were in sitting in your office, live and real, just because they're online and virtual doesn't mean you can treat them with um, less regard. So that's kind of a that's kind of a rant for me. I did a rant about that on Facebook the other day, actually. So anyway, you asked about two passions, and those are my two passions right now.
0: <laughs> awesome. I have some questions about working mobile. If you might uh, answer a couple of those questions (laughs) sure sure yeah i'm just you know i think about that a lot i think about i'll play devil's advocate having a home base is really comfortable like you know where your fridge is you know where all your stuff is you only have to get up and go a certain distance and you're already set up you don't have to find wi-fi you don't have to you know, always be trying to figure out your schedule to get into a coffee shop or a, or a place to sit and work for a minute or whatever. I mean, there's some creature comforts to that. Do you think any of that holds people back? Saying they want to have a mobile lifestyle, or they want to just at least take a really, like a nice extended vacation and work out how they're going to do it, and then they just think, man, it's just easier to stay in a home office. How do you answer that negative Nelly question?
1: I don't think that that holds people back if they truly have a passion for travel because it isn't that hard to work remote anymore. I never go searching for Internet. I carry the Internet with me. Um, I can hook up from anywhere in the world with my hotspot. Well, not anywhere in the world, but most places I would go in the world. Let's put it that way. And so, you know, I work from wherever we're staying, whether that's – Um, an apartment or a hotel room, I don't really ever go out and find a more public place to work because, for one thing, if I'm working with clients, it's usually too noisy. Mm. So to me, the adventure is, um, offsets any kind of creature comforts and the way in which I travel, I really kind of have my creature comforts anyway. I have everything I need with me. So everything goes in a backpack, a little Eddie Bauer backpack, and um, I can do anything. I can do anything from that backpack that I can do sitting here at home, except maybe grab a quick Coke Zero or something while I'm talking.
0: <laughs> I've uh, I've gone to conferences and 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 met people. Um, I've watched people kind of stroke their laptops and have their phone and their laptop, and they kind of pet their laptop. It without without. Um, Knowing that they're doing it, kind of subconsciously, and then explain to me how much they love their life and how they've got it worked out. And your backpack and everything else that you're talking about reminded me of that. Uh, yeah. Just in that, <laughs> when you've got it all together, and you know, I'm a backpacker, and I, you know, one of the only magazines I still take is the Backpacker magazine, and they have constant updates on gear, on how to make everything smaller, lighter more compact, but still have as many of the comforts and and everything that you need for survival out in the wilderness and everything, you still have it. And when you get that packed together and everything fits and everything gets in there and it's like, man, literally I've done the the list like ten times and I've got everything I need for three days or a week or whatever out there. And it's all in this bag. What is the allure of that? I mean, because I have it, you have it, I'm sure, and I've watched people (laughs) have it you know, kind of subconsciously, like I'm petting my whole life right here. Everything is here. All my clients are here. My business is here. My well-being is here. My ticket to Paris is here. My everything is here. What is that? It's just really wild how much we love that stuff.
1: Yeah, I think if you have that entrepreneurial spirit in you, you also – kind of by definition have the spirit of adventure and you have an independent streak or you would be off working for somebody else instead of working for yourself, or at least that's my theory. So to me, it is just the delight in knowing that I am completely self-sufficient, that I can go anywhere and I can make money anywhere and that I'm free to either stay in my home and be, you know, have everything at my fingertips or pack up a lighter version of that And still have most things at my fingertips and then be able to visit with clients I have only seen uh, before in in my Zoom room virtually. You know, to see them in person across the table, that really delights me. So I think that's a part of it for me. This past year, I got to see uh, a client in Barcelona. I had never met in person. I got to see a client in New Zealand I had never met in person. Um, You know, it's just a delight for me to do that. And I think you... Um, you just benefit. I think I'm better as an entrepreneur because I have a larger world view. I'm well-traveled. I understand different cultures. That allows me to work in different cultures and have clients in different cultures, um, I think, better than someone who's never been outside the state they're in.
0: Oh, yeah. I always notice that students who traveled abroad uh, in high school and, and, and in college or, or in their off year or whatever they call it these days, uh, always came back different um, in good well, ways yeah. and like uh, yeah. humbled and and um, they just had a lot more. They they felt wiser <laughs> to me when I they think, uh, I went do think away. And came matures,
1: back. Yeah, I think that travel matures you. Um, you know, the first travel far away from home by myself that I did was when I was in high school, I was an exchange student to uh, South America, to Columbia, South America, uh, part of my senior year. And I think that really served me in good stead. Actually, if I had my way, every single American student would be made to go live over in a different country for six months of their senior year or after they graduate Mm -hmm. from high school. I think it develops emotional maturity. I think it helps the separation from parents who are uh, sometimes too helicopterish. I think it is a growth. Um, I think it's a personal development growth phase for both the child and for their parent. And it just grows a sense of knowing that there's a larger place in the world than the comfortable place that you sit in. But you know, that's my bias. It it really changed my world view when I could read those newspapers about my country sitting in another country from their view of things it really kind of popped me out of my little box and I've just never gotten back in that box
0: yeah I I, there are other family members uh other than your parents that it's really beneficial to get away from including Uncle Sam who you know living in living in any country you're going to get that country's biases and and um you know you're going to I mean, it's just really weird that a lot of people don't think like that. They don't think of that. They, that. The importance of what you said about students spending six months abroad in their senior year, I mean, that cannot be understated, overstated because it's just it's huge. I mean, it, it really is a big deal. If they are going to be entrepreneurs, if they're going to, you know, anything that they're going to do after such a trip, is going to be better, is always going to be enhanced. I mean, yeah. that's from my own personal experience going and seeing other people have gone and, and, and when they come back, I mean, they might have gone. And I've had one person in particular I didn't like very much before they went abroad. And when they came back, it took me a minute to wonder if they were just being pretentious and I went abroad and I learned all these new cultural things or whatever until, until I realized they were humbled. They came back humbled, and they were wiser. And I had to make sure I wasn't playing the old them against the new them because the new them was just radically different. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it I, is amazing. I think that's really cool. I, how could it help your business? How could this kind of thing, you know, what kinds of things have happened for you and your business just by having a constant change of scenery and perspective like that? I mean, it's not just a personal gain, right?
1: No, it's not just a personal game. One of the things I really love to do when I travel is I like to look at how entrepreneurs work in other cultures. So for instance, you know, a couple of years ago, Bill and I spent some time in Peru and Peru has um, a lot of women who are very entrepreneurial and they support their families in that way. And they have formed, they're, they're fantastic at forming cooperatives. And so they do weaving in cooperative situations. They grow vegetables in cooperative situations and You know, I really took a look at them and watched them working with each other and realized that they had things to teach us about how to work collaboratively, which is a business model that I very much believe in anyway. So whenever I travel, I always come back with things that help my clients, that gives me a different way of looking at maybe one of the issues they have. It maybe gives me an idea for a solution for them. So it changes and I think deepens my ability to be strategic and helpful for the people I work with. Yeah.
0: Again, that perspective, I, I knew it had to translate into everything, right? It has to be something that uh, that works for you uh, business-wise. What what kinds of, do you have any specific stories? That, like, did you ever pick up a client while you were in the area you were in, like just having been there, not necessarily online, but because you were in a new in a different country or something, you met someone there or uh, or that led to getting a client or anything like that yeah. happened for you?
1: Yeah, actually, I was down in the Caribbean in February, and when I was in Grenada, I happened to meet a, a woman who was working at a marina um, on the shore And we started talking about the fact that she wanted to open a massage therapy business. She was actually a licensed massage therapist there, but she had not taken the steps to build her business, although she wanted to. So I ended up doing an hour consultation with her and helped her lay out who her ideal client was, where she could market to find that client, what the name of her business could be, where she might be able to practice in Grenada that would be affordable for her. And how perhaps she could build a part-time practice while she was still working at the marina until she got up enough clients to support her, and exactly the kind of clients she needed, um, because it needed to be the people who are expat who live in Grenada full-time, not the not the snowbirds, because that's not going to sustain her year-round. And then I came back and I did a little quickie, um, like a little quickie course about that that actually people can, I think, go on my website and still find. Um, and did a did a video about how I had just helped her, kind of in the moment, really. So it is true that, you know, you do pick up clients as you travel. If you kind of have that mindset, there's always people who have their hopes and dreams, and if I can be a part of that um, and help them in some way while I'm out and about, that I'm I'm really very honored to do so.
0: There's kind of a backlash happening uh, over the last couple of years against this trend. It's primarily a trend among younger people, younger entrepreneurs, um, people who are just starting out really eat this kind of stuff up. But it's the Gary Vaynerchuk model of hustle and grind and always be on and always be working and always be selling and closing and everything else. And, uh, and I love to find people like you who are such examples of the antithesis of the – you don't have to do – because the reason I like that is because I know there are a lot of people, including a lot of the listeners of this show, who see that message, hear that message, and go, God, is that really what it's going to take for me to get to my next level? Whatever that next level is, is is what these guys are saying the only way to do that. And I would imagine from what I've heard so far that you're not you don't agree with that 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 has to be the only way you have to hustle and grind and all that kind of stuff cuz you to me don't sound like a hustler or a grinder. <laughs> you sound like you really appreciate being more laid back in your business and you're also successful. So how does that work for you? Yeah, um I'm
1: not I mean I, I I sometimes say I work hard and I play hard, and that is true. I do. But I do not I do not believe that you can have a balanced life if you're an entrepreneur. I mean, I do live, eat, and breathe what I do because I love it so much. It's not a chore for me. It would never be a grind. And, in fact, I've made the promise to myself that the day, the day that comes that I feel like it's a grind, I will quit that very day. I just won't have it because there's too many other things to do that you can make a living at that will give you joy in life. It truly is something – I don't believe that it's a hustle and grind philosophy as much as it is an open philosophy of just being open to the energy and the possibilities that are around you and standing in your ground of who you are and what you do, and that attracts people to you because they see that possibility and they see that positive stance, and they see your expertise. So you don't have to really be hard marketing – but you can let people know who you are and what you do, and then pretty soon they come to you with questions if you're not kind of beating them about the head and shoulders. you know I don't think you can um i don't i guess you can but i I personally don't want to kind of beat somebody to come to my door. I would rather have the energy and the expertise and the and the <clears throat> the knowledge and the authority that people are drawn to me are attractive to me. I'm going to take a drink of water. Hang on, for some reason I'm getting hoarse. Just a sec.
0: <laughs> see if that's any better. Take care of those vocal cords. I I plan on using them for Yeah, those I don't for know where that came from. So. yeah, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, we have a little front coming through, and sometimes that, sometimes you know, that makes me a little a little hoarse. But anyway, that's how I like to approach life, and to me, it is really blended. In one way, uh, it is true that I am kind of always on, but I guess it's like a low on. And I don't really think about it or feel like I've got to do X, Y, or Z. It just happens because of how I carry myself and what my conversation is and how I am. It's not forced, it's not forced yeah. at all. So I think you have to, I mean, I do believe in the, in the philosophy of really showing up, every day showing up with your best and making that offer in the best way that you know how and what happens after that is not your business the you know you have to be unattached to the outcome give it your best and be unattached that's really what life is
0: yeah and one person's grind can be another person's passion you know it's sure. really a, it, yeah. it's really sure. what's right for you so like i mean do you feel like that there's a problem maybe with newer entrepreneurs maybe with everybody at, to some degree that we all see everybody else's highlight reels on Facebook or wherever, you know, and nobody puts their super, well, some people do put their super down moments and things like that, but for the most part, when they're talking about their business and they're talking about how great everything is all the time, do you feel like maybe we're susceptible to comparing ourselves too much to them and filling in way too many of the blanks that we couldn't possibly know anything about as to how much they work? to have that highlight or what it really took to get it or or any of the other factors in their lives which are always left out. And everybody gets this sense on Facebook that all these people's lives are just so incredible and nothing ever goes wrong. and It's really, truly easy to run a business with a blog and content and a podcast. and You know, I mean, you can look at it and just logically go, that looks hard. That's a lot of moving parts. No matter how you cut it and how much leverage you have in all of these things... <laughs> That's a lot of things, right? Do you think we're susceptible to that highlight reel that we call social media? To, that Does that affect uh, your clients at all?
1: It does sometimes affect my clients, but here's how I put that. I think you're only affected by that if you are um, not emotionally mature enough to realize that no one's life is all peaches and cream. So if you if you really believe I mean, if you follow somebody and, and they absolutely never talk about having a down day, then your own knowledge and your own experience of life ought to tell you that that is probably not true. Very few people really totally live like that. I mean, everybody has their bad days. And, and I and gravitate to, and I myself share the down times with my people on my list just as much as I share the up. I mean, I I did a post to my list the other day, an email to my list the other day, in which I talked about the fact that one of my mentors of many years uh, suddenly lost his 46-year-old son, uh, who felt bad, pulled over to the side of the interstate, and before he could call for help, he died in his car, just suddenly died in his car and how devastated the parents, who have been my friends for many, many years, and the man has been a mentor to me for many, many years, how devastated they were to have lost their son, and they really still don't even know what happened. It'll be months before they know the test results of what happened, they suspect a heart attack. But, so I shared that, that was what my email was about that day, because I wanna teach people how to have um, what I call a solid ground of being, my husband laughs at me and calls it my gob, ground to being, G-O-B. I want people to feel <clears throat> unshakable and unstoppable no matter what happens because that resilience that we have, that's what brings us the ability to take advantage of opportunities that come our way, and that's what gives us the ability to turn something that is bad into something that is better. I believe that we need that to be full human beings and to be um, emotionally mature if we think that things are always going to be easy fast and fun um, then we're not thinking with our full brain we're not thinking from what our experience of life has taught us we're living in a fantasy world and you know people who live in fantasy worlds don't build lasting businesses
0: yeah and there's a lot of fantasy worlders out there looking to build businesses. How do you, how do you, um, when someone contacts you, and little alarms start going off, like, like, and you realize that that might be inevitable, and it might be you need to tighten down your intake process. But how do you deal with it when you find somebody who sounds really, really gung ho? Because I see a lot of uh, newer folks spend a lot of time on people who maybe you and I, after the years that we've been doing this, would be able to tell much more quickly, hey, we're talking to to a dreamer. And there's nothing wrong with dreamers, right? But like a really super big-time dreamer who's not ready for us and wouldn't be ready for that that type of mentoring or anything. I, I mean, what kinds of processes do you put in place to make sure and ensure that you have Uh, When people, uh, however you do it, if it's on phone, strategy sessions, or wherever that first contact, meaningful contact takes place, what do you put in place to make sure that most of the time you're talking to the right exact people that you really want to work with?
1: Yeah. Well, I think if you're experienced as a a coach or a consultant or a mentor, whatever you call yourself, I call myself a business strategist, marketing strategist, Um, You know, you can tell pretty quick. Because I read energy, people's energy very well, I can tell within about 10 minutes if it's going to be a go or a no-go, and probably you can too. But usually I talk with the person. I also do have a questionnaire that if people want to work with me, I ask them to fill that out. And it's just very basic stuff about what is their idea for their business or if they are already in business, you know, who they are, what it is they do, what it is they want to achieve through working Uh, with me and you know people it, it always comes out on that form I mean I can I can spot the weaknesses I can spot the lack of focus I can spot the lack of clarity just in the words that people put on that form but I can certainly tell it when I talk with them too now sometimes people are really ready to hand in that lack of focus and they know they need to get real clear and it is um, I always say to people look if you if you are going to have a business of your own, be prepared to do personal growth because if you want to be successful in business, you have to grow yourself as long as well as grow your business it's a it's a two pronged deal, and that that is true for every single person, including myself, that I know, so I can tell you know if they um are not willing to question themselves and they're not really willing to uh Maybe make quite a shift in their in themselves, or in their business. I sometimes call that turning the ship. Um, then I know that it's going to be largely a waste of their time, at least for right now. In a year, they might be ready. I mean, I I don't mind saying to people, I don't think you should have a business. I think you should keep your job because I'm not going to let them hire me, and then, kind of blow smoke. You know, I I mean I can see. Yeah. And I've had people who have really been angry at me for that, and years later I've heard from them, and they've they've come to me, found me, and said, you know, I really hated your guts for telling me that at the time, but it was the best thing you could have told me, and you were right. I did need a job, and I've worked for five or six years now, and I've got a lot more experience and maturity, and now I'm really ready to go into business for myself. So, you know, sometimes people really want to dig in and do that change, and then sometimes people really don't. They want somebody else to give them all the answers, and I I can't and won't do that because I don't, you know, it it has to come from them. I can lead and guide and strategize with them, but they've got to be the implementer, as anybody will tell you, and I'm sure you tell the people you work with as well. So that's great fun for me to sort through the people I think I would be a good match for who I feel like I could really help. And, you know, I'm just like anybody else. I want to get satisfaction from my work, as I'm sure you do. So I don't want to be led on a married chase. I have been led on a merry chase. I have been fooled a time or two, especially early in my career. But actually, not so much now. I'm
0: going to switch uh tactics here a little bit and go for, uh, I thought it was one of your latest blog posts, but it appears to be today's blog post on Joint Ventures. It's, oh, it's yeah. dated uh-huh. today. So it is. You, just, yeah. you've been busy today already.
1: <laughs> I have been busy today but I already, to ask yeah. You,
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you, with somebody who's, who's, who's seen a wide range of what it means to to you know, to even define what a joint venture is, but over the years it's changed quite considerably, and also within different industries and niches, it, it's it's never exactly the same as as in others. But what has your experience been lately with joint ventures with people? One of the reasons that I ask is that um, a lot of people, including us, I mean. Gina and I tell people the most expensive advertising in the world is an affiliate program. You'll never pay more money. You shouldn't <laughs> ever pay more money than you pay for uh, you know, affiliate commissions or joint venture partner commissions. But there is an allure to that in that once you hook up one of those deals with somebody with a list or a reach or audience or whatever you want to call it, you could come out with an awful lot of sales. But I sense my... Reason for the question, really, is, is I sense that a lot of people get are tired of it. They've all heard about joint ventures, or if they have, they seem like, yeah, but I've never been able to make that work. And to the, to the point where I feel like, when I see someone like you writing an article on the value of joint ventures, I feel like you're almost one of the very last. I know it's not true, but it just feels like you're one of the very last. We are the last people to be talking about joint ventures because a lot of people are going to paid advertising and they're doing all this other stuff. And one of the reasons in the early days joint ventures were so popular is because paid advertising was impossible to get into if you didn't have the right budget and know-how. And now everybody thinks that they're an online advertiser instantly just because they ran a boosted post on Facebook. And it gives them that power that they didn't have before when it was so easy to talk about joint ventures as the real big ticket way to get a big amount of exposure and leverage someone else's audience. That's my take on it. What's your take as far as how joint ventures even work these days and how you're telling people to look at that?
1: Well, I have a couple of things to say about that. Um, First of all, I um, have seen plenty of clients waste a ton of money on Facebook boosted posts and Facebook advertising or pay-per-click advertising. The thing about... um, joint ventures is you have to keep in mind if your if your joint venture product is a downloadable digital product, then it's no skin off your nose how many times that thing is downloaded really. And the beauty of it is you may be giving 30 or 40% to your joint venture partner, but you're not paying that until you've made a sale. So you're paying that with money you've already got in the bank, unlike what you're doing with a Facebook ad. I have seen people spend $5,000 on the Facebook ad and not get one click. If you spend $5,000 in commission to joint to affiliate marketers, you're going to have more than 5000 in the bank to pay them. So that's the big benefit to me. But specifically, I think it's just like we were talking about with anything else. You've got to be ready and prepared to do well when you do a cross promotion or a joint venture with someone, which means they've got to have their back end of their business together and you've got to have the back end of your business together. You've got to be willing to schedule the uh, the emails and the social media posts. You've got to be willing to go in it um, and spend some time. It's not just throwing an email out there. You've really got to develop it and do a blog post as I did today. Um, you know, do all sorts of things to make it work. So it is work, number one. Number two, on the other side of the coin, you've got to make sure that you partner with people who are ethical and who, in fact, will pay you your affiliate commissions when they're supposed to pay them and will not lose track of what you have earned for them. Um, I mean, I have had an affiliate or two that I've had to chase after for my money, and believe me, I won't mail for them again. So it's just like anything else. You've got to do your due diligence, and you've got to be prepared, whether you are the affiliate marketer or whether you are the person who is being affiliated to, who has the product or the service that they're putting out there. So there's, you know, rules of engagement and bad behavior and good behavior. And the thing that I like about what I wrote in that blog post today, with the joint venture inner circle, is that everybody there is there because they do want to leverage other people and they are willing to be used by other people to be leveraged as well. So it's a community, a pretty strong community of people who um, who are there to play and not just there to try to skim off the top.
0: Well, and it's also one of the nice tactics, I mean, probably the biggest, question or problem or issue that's ri- that comes up is, you know, I see people doing joint ventures, but I'm too small. I'm not noticeable yet. I'm not in with the right yeah. people. And I mean, like that, that comes up and it's like, well, but if you keep thinking like that, you will keep being that. Well, okay, yeah. but tell me how I become... Significant enough in a in a desirable joint venture partner's life that they would actually slow down because they've got a lot of people who they who want to promote for them, right? And and with them. And why would I? What what do I do to get on their radar enough that sometime down the road they're going to be mailing for me? They're going to be talking about me on their show or or whatever. Well, how do you coach people through
1: that? Yeah. Well. One of the, if they really are serious about building list and, and they are small currently, I probably would suggest that group that, is, that I mentioned there in that blog post because it is a group where everyone has agreed to be approachable and to listen. So no one in that group is going to say to you, you don't have a big enough list. Or if they do, they shouldn't be because that is an approachable group. So I think it is, again, how valid you... You know, if, if somebody comes to me and says, I don't have a list, um, but I would like to promote you, then what I'm going to say is, well, tell me how you want to promote me. What are your plans? What do you want to do to promote me, given that you don't have a list? Are you planning to do social media buys? Are you planning to do a webinar? What, you know, what are you planning to do? And if they can come up with a reasonable strategy, then I'm not going to just say, I don't want anything to do with you. So it is really a matter of, how you are prepped and what you are willing to do to start building relationships with people who do have lists and who can, in turn, promote you.
0: What kinds of things have you done in the past to um, win someone over to... You know, it's really all about attention, right? And, and the thing that we all have the exact same limit on is the amount of time in a day. And and then our, our daily grind is, is sometimes just figuring out among the things we already have on a list of things to do, what else we can afford to pay attention to that day. What, what kinds of things have you done for people? How far have you gone to um, prove to somebody you're passionate about working with them um, on, on something, or, you know, what kind of network building have you been willing to do? Because I know everybody's got, like, their story of one or two things that they've <laughs> they've done, but not to suck up or not to do any of that stuff, but genuinely out of passion. Like, I really, really want to sell this thing for this person, or I really, really know that this person is going to love selling my product. It was designed almost perfectly for them based on their last blog post or things they said on social. What what kinds of things have you done in the past to, to get on their radar?
1: I've done a couple of things. Actually, um, I can tell you as far I can tell you what I have done lately, um, and that would probably be um, helpful. That would probably mm-hmm. address more of what you're talking about. So two things. Um, the first is uh, a week or two ago um, – I got this sweet little email from this this student, this senior in college, who is just starting out as a journalist, and she wants to write about technology for online entrepreneurs. And so she has done some uh, articles, and she's looking to build her portfolio. And what she wants to do is graduate from college, and she wants to be a freelancer and do either ghostwriting or uh, start writing PLR that she can sell on that topic. And so she had found me one way or another, and she asked would I be at all open to reading one of her articles, and if I liked it, would I be at all open to having her as a guest blogger on my blog? And you know, one of the ways that I can give back is to always keep in mind that I was once a beginner too. So I liked that she gave me a solid example. I liked that she was humble in her approach She wasn't cheesy. She wasn't um, demanding. She really wants to make a start. I love the idea that I can help somebody who's just getting out of college to start on an entrepreneurial path instead of taking the long way around like I did, which is to work in the corporate world for a number of years before I went out on my own. And I liked her her title and her bullet points. And so I wrote her back and I said, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take a chance on a college student who wants to build an entrepreneurial career. You know, send me over the full article and I'll read it over and I'll post it to my blog and I'll give a shout out to you. So that's one small way that I think we can all make a difference is just by picking those people who you know have the fire in them and helping them along the way, just as we were once helped, right? So the other thing yeah. that – remember I mentioned to you my Facebook rant about um, – um, well, what I said on Facebook was that I had had it with the lack of ethics, the hyped-up sales copy, the ridiculous promises to make a zillion dollars and still have ultimate freedom in five days or less, and just kind of the general bull bullcrap that I see going on, both online and offline, really, in the small business world today – So I said, stay tuned. You know, I'm going to do something about this. And what I did was I decided that I was going to to, um, offer, starting the second week of May, a totally free six-week mastermind group, a Book Yourself Solid mastermind group for people who would like to partake and come be serious about building their business so that I'm not going to just offer you something for free that's a throwaway. I'm going to sit there and work with you in a group. So if you have been saying you can't afford to build a business and nobody will help you, then bring it and show up every day. Your commitment is not to pay me a dime. Your commitment is that you've got to be on all six of those calls. So I have a I have a, um, a page up on my website now, which is uh, confidentmarketer.com slash training dash, the number six, and then WK slash, and then mastermind. And people can leave me their name their first name, their last name, their email address, and their phone number. And when I put that together and schedule it out, then I'm going to let them know that they're welcome to attend. And we're going to do it live in my Zoom room, you know, virtually live, I guess I would say, in my Zoom room. And I'm going to give back, and we'll see what comes of that. Because I know that there are people who will sign up for it who will never show up, (laughs) you know. But but I'm wanting to find the people who really do want the help. So, I'm willing there are to people who will pay for you know
0: they'll pay for stuff and not show up sometimes, <laughs> yeah, so
1: I, believe me, I know I've, I mean I've had people pay me ten thousand dollars and never use a dime of it. They put me on retainer and never called me once. that's on them, it's not on me, but anyway, wow, so I want to stand for there are people who will help you along the way now you show up because there are lots of folks who say they want it and they don't show up. So those are the two things that I'm doing lately to say, here, I'm here, and I'm available. And, in fact, I'm available, and I'm not charging you a dime. And my time is very valuable. So, you know, do you want it, or do you just want to fuss that nobody ever gives you anything?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a nice way to put, you know, because I think that a lot of the, the hype and the all of these things are kind of – they come from a lack mentality for absolutely sure. It's a lack. It's a its a—it's mentality toward a, an imaginary demographic of people who you think would like to screw you over first. So you're going to do it before they even get a chance to by – You know really hyping it up and everything and you know that it's a you know the other part of it the lack mentality of it is is there's a lot of people who think and have seen the stats i mean it's actually really actually quite a problem with humanity the number of people who actually take advantage of stuff that they even buy you know you think just purchasing something you would take full advantage of it but i've done it i'm sure you've done it sometimes that you know you, you don't fully get into it or something happens or whatever and you know, if you're always growing, you're usually getting into new things, checking out new stuff, um, training, and everything else. And you find yourself sometimes, hopefully, just sometimes, not taking full advantage of it. Now, I wonder how many, how often it is that uh, a lot of people make choices about how to hype their product or whether to hype it at all, based on I, you know, I've got to get them into the sale no matter what, and. I'm going to have to worry about not having a very big evangelical base because there's not going to be a lot of people who will be able to speak from experience having taken this course because they won't do it. They won't consume it. So I'm just going to head it off at the pass, make a whole bunch of sales. And then I never have to worry about that because I have such hype on the front end. I'm such a great copywriter in, in the, you know, getting people to do things even against their best interests that I don't have to worry about that stuff. It's really, really cynical, right? But it's, Seems to be what you were talking about in your rant and Facebook, and and it's just been like that for so long. I mean, there's always somebody that's willing to take it to the next level, whatever it is, because people start to get numb to it, right? And so it, the copy doesn't, the hype doesn't work. Everybody's using the same hype, and then the the pattern interruption is running across somebody like you, who you know is exactly. using any that, tricks at and, all.
1: Exactly, and that's always what I want to be is the disruptor. I always want to be the thought leader and I always want to be the disruptor. I'm always going to be the contrarian. I'm always going to be the one who says, look, solid work and solid business principles get you where you want to go. There is so much opportunity both in brick and mortar businesses and online right now that it is just incredible. Anybody who wants to build a business, if they are willing to work, they can have it. I truly believe that. But you've got to know, you've got to have some business skills, you've got to have some work ethic, and you've got to have honesty and integrity. Because in the end, that is what every other human will respond to. In the end. Mm -hmm. You know how. Human uh, nature.
0: Yeah. Uh, How Easter comes around or Halloween. Easter and Halloween are big candy times in a family with kids. And. you know and they just they they go overboard on the sugar the sugar is all the hype to do this in 5 days and be a billionaire in in 3 nights and all of that they get so sick of it they just lose it it's just the sugar rush the hype and sales copy and and that leads to really bad decision making just like being high on sugar really bad decision making going there or craving it because your high yesterday was so big that you, you have actual withdrawals the next day and need a Reese's cup. Actually, your body physically is demanding it, you know, and, just to, and it seems like sometimes people like you and me are sitting there waiting, just, you know, patiently waiting until that, they come down off of all of that sugar, and then they're, like, they're, kinda, they're a lot calmer than they were when you couldn't get their attention. They're not jittery anymore because they're, they're kind of wore out one and two they've just they're just they've had that experience and like wow i really can't believe how hollow that experience was sometimes people need to go through it a few times before they you know listen to somebody a voice of reason but at some point you can get them into a situation those guys kind of beat them into a um unfortunately into a situation where they're all ears you know, and I'm sure you you alluded yeah. to it before where you, you meet people who become clients who had already had a track record of getting really high on that sugar of hype.
1: Yeah. Well, everybody, you know, it is our human nature that we like the quick and easy thing. And there are those of us who will be successful because we know that while we can make our lives to be joyful and easy. We also have to be disciplined and focused and consistent. I tell people all the time, I am not any smarter. I am not any better educated. I am not anything that you are not. What I am is one thing. I am consistent. I will always be here. I will never go away. I will get up every single day and I will do my work just like you saw I've already done a blog post for today. I am consistent. And I am, a, and I am a performer. I will. It doesn't have to be, you know, hauling rocks, but it has to be small actions. I, I don't actually know if you know this about me, but I had a very serious leg injury four years ago and ended up having an emergency surgery. After which, I was told I probably would never walk again. So hmm. I, I made it my business to uh, find the most amazing the most amazing physical therapist who is just so talented. And four years later, I still work with him two days a week. And I would not take no for an answer. So I knew I had to find the best people to help me, and I knew that I had to work really hard. And I got discouraged, oh, man, many, many times did I get discouraged and not want to go back over there. It was painful. It was horrible. But one day he said to me, you know what? It's, it, it's just small, consistent action every day. It doesn't have to be horrible and long, but it has to be small and consistent every single day. And I have thought of that so many times because it was true, I now walk you know, unassisted. I limp a little bit, but I walk completely unassisted. No one, including the surgeons, ever thought that I would. And it is true in business. It is those small, consistent actions. You don't have to work 14 hours a day, but you do have to work four, five, six hours a day, and you have to be consistent and have a plan, not take the buckshot approach. My friend, Dan Morris, whom you may know, uh, his favorite saying is, hope is not a marketing plan. (laughs) And that's very true. You know, it needs (laughs) to be more strategic than that. I mean, I think he actually has a T-shirt that says that.
0: It's, yeah, I'm just picturing sending a client a marketing plan. It's just one page, and it has hope in 72 font bold. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you'd be my client for very long. You probably want his uh, down payment back, or his. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's it's really wild. There, it, it, it is simple, right? And it's I don't know. It's just funny how we have to navigate these waters. At one point during this call, I was going to say. You could make it in personal development. You could switch your whole business. And then I started to realize that's what you're in now. I mean, you're as much of a personal development coach as you are anything else when you're working with people talking about these issues and helping them work through these issues. I used to say it. I had a a, a blog success long, long ago, and it was a big membership site with hundreds of members and And uh, I—that was the first time I was ever really in charge of that big of a crowd of people, and and I designed it to give them all the tools they needed for success. Just the tools, though. I had no idea what was to come, and it was—I started saying, "Man, I have to be half Anthony Robbins and half." Jack, the guy who shows you how to get a whole bunch of traffic and, and, you know, make your blog successful, and I wasn't planning on the Anthony Robbins part, you know, <laughs> I didn't, yeah. but I was coaching people. I was coaching the whole group and individually all the time to stick with it, to get that plan together and all that, and it, it I think that most of the people that I've talked to on this show uh, over the years are the the same way. You, you – you, you have to find yourself in a kind of a, a balance. with. You can show them all yeah. the tools, and the tools are neat, and those are the shiny objects, and people get really excited about CRM software that's going to bail them out of so many problems in their business. But if that person needs a little help in the other direction, in the other stuff, uh, you know, work and planning and, and why, their big why, well, I mean, you can't not be that person. You can't not give them your advice on that through your hard one. Uh, successes in that in that particular area because a lot of people are not like you. <laughs> they just yeah, you see the simplicity in six hours of work and you see yeah. all of that and it's it come you notice that it comes more naturally to you than it does most of the people that you work with and that you work around, and that's what makes you sought after, right?
1: I get. I mean, I guess I I would like to think so. I but I do agree with you. I mean, the first tagline for the confident marketer that I ever had, and, I, and lately, it's funny that you bring this up because lately I thought I'm going to bring that tagline back, was grow yourself to grow your business because they absolutely do, do go hand in hand. And when people are willing to learn the technical side but not willing to challenge themselves personally, they don't make it. When people are willing to do the personal transformation work and they love to go off to all these retreats but then they won't execute, which is the technical side, then they don't make it either. You've got to be able to do both. What you said early in the program is very true. There are a heck of a lot of moving parts to owning a business. You've got to know a lot about a lot of different stuff. And you've got to know what you're not good at and what you need to go higher because you just don't have the time or it's not, your, it's not the thing that you're gifted at. I'm, I'm a teacher and a writer. I'm an encourager of people. And I'm, a good, I'm an excellent strategist. But I am not a heavy technical person. I hire my tech stuff done because it frustrates me, and I don't learn it as quickly as I learn other things. So we have to know our strengths and weaknesses, and we have to be able to know enough about it that we can lead our team, but trust that we've gotten good people to help us for the stuff that we don't want to be down in the you know down in the weeds doing so you know you've got to be you've got to have self knowledge you've got to have self honesty and And you've got to be willing to step up and be a leader because eventually you're going to have team members who, you know, even if they're just working for you part-time, still nevertheless, you've got to lead them and you've got to give them a vision of where it is that you want to take this business. You want them to buy into that. So, um, you know, I'm glad that you see that it is as much personal development as it is business strategy, but they go hand in hand. You can't have one Mm -hmm. without the other.
0: Tell me what your favorite leverage tactic or idea that you've ever used that you'll always use if you lost everything today and had to start completely over, what would be at the very core of what you would do to get where you want to go as quickly as possible using leverage? What's your favorite piece of leverage to use?
1: You know, I teach my clients and I practice myself that uh, I'm a big believer in what I call the three-legged stool so that you have multiple streams of income. And um, I myself do that. And in fact, I was laughing when we were talking about travel and how it changes people earlier in the conversation because one of my businesses is an online travel agency, the name of which is Travel Changes Life. (laughs) That's how much I believe it. I actually named my (laughs) business after that. Um, so I teach the three-legged stool, so I teach that within each business you can leverage your time, but you also need to have multiple streams of income so that when one thing goes awry or when you have the inevitable, you know, feast and famine deal or something goes wrong that you didn't anticipate, then you have something else that's pulling the weight until you can write whatever it is that went wrong in the business has got trouble. I have a friend who... Uh, long before Google Panda had a an articles directory and she was making multiple six figures off that article directory and literally overnight she lost her business and unfortunately mm-hmm. she did not have that three-legged stool so guess what she went down and she went down in a hurry. And so I, I always, you know, I, I think you should focus on one and get it up and running, but as soon as you do, you need to be looking at how can I leverage this and or spend something else off and have a totally different income stream. So in my business, a confident marketer, you know, I do coaching and consulting. People put me on retainer to be their strategist. That's true. But I also do affiliate marketing and I also have online courses that people can buy and do totally themselves. Um, and I also have books and so forth and so on. So I've got multiple income streams where I'm leveraging myself in that business, but then I also have additional businesses. I believe that you've got to build deep and you've got to build broad, and that gives you staying power. I mean, if I have to go out and create another business doing something, I know I can. I just have to find a need. You know, right now, service industry businesses are huge. There's not enough people who are willing to take them on And we've got all these baby boomers who want more and more services done from them. You've got all these uh, millennials who are busy with kids, and they they want services done for them. So there's huge opportunity there. But you've got to be willing to work it. And if you're not willing to work Mm -hmm. it, it's not going to happen.
0: I sense that we probably could have changed this to a two-hour show and used every single, <laughs> rung every minute of value out of it uh, possible. Because I, the last few things you talked about, I want to have a whole other show just to talk about those things. I'm sure listeners are going, "Hey, what's she talking about that services stuff?" Because we're speculators all the time. I think you and Warren Buffett would have a heck of a conversation. He, with the investing, oh, is exactly a the same. Oh, with Warren but, Buffett. But <laughs> Yeah, I would love a conversation but you're saying the Warren same Buffett. stuff. I mean, your, your businesses are your investment. You, he could talk yes. about his investments, and I have heard him talk several times about his investments being uh, in the same way that you just talked about having your three-legged stool and having um, your know, favorite piece of leverage is having multiple uh, poles in the pond, and that's good yeah. to an extent. And then you said that thing about services, and you got my little – you know, I started pulling out another pole and putting it together It puts a bait on the hook already thinking about what she know about services. I want to talk about that now, <laughs> so but <laughs> alas, we've run out of time, and we desperately need to know where we can get a hold of you, where's the best place to find you, get into your sphere of influence, learn some stuff, maybe get a freebie or here thing or here <laughs> what what do you got is it it uh at your main site, or would you, can, you like to
1: tell everybody? all? you can go to confidentmarketer.com and there's a you can sign up, opt in to be on my list, and you'll get um, a work actually, it's a workbook It's 20 ways to build a business without frustration and overwhelm. It's 20 questions that I ask you honestly. Um, and there's I have a blog, I've been blogging for years, I probably have. Five or 600 blog posts, many of which have tips for people who are uh, either building or expanding their business. So you can always um, find me on Facebook, uh, either my personal profile or my business page, the business page is facebook.com uh, slash Confident Marketer. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Sue Painter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Sue Painter 1.0 you can um send me an email at sue@confidentmarketer.com at so you know I'm around I'm pretty visible if you just google sue painter I'm going to come up the entire first page is all me so you'll find me easily I'm not I used to call
0: away. I used to I used to uh call the front page of Google my resume just go to Google and type yes. in my name and that's me and people would be, yeah, well, exactly. that was when I was selling SEO services like crazy. They're like, how do you do that? I'm like, oh, I'm glad you asked.
1: All right. Well, yeah, Sue, yeah. thank you
0: so much for, for being here today and taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. I sense that we need to have you back on the show as quickly as possible to talk about some more stuff. But you are, you are an awesome guest. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure and joy, and thank you so much for your time. Take care. And we'll
0: be back next week with another episode of Leverage Masters. Go check us out at theleveragists.com for past episodes. Have a great week. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.